This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Use promo code PNF20 to save 20% off your jig order. What's up, everybody? It's Ricketts. You listen to the Mixed Bag. Today, we're going to go over something a little bit different, something that we really don't talk about a whole lot. But first, the kayak world has been shaken. Kayak fishing tournament world, that is. Um, hog trouts are out, man. They're gone uh, with uh, any participant in the Hobie Bass Open Series, which, as most of you guys know, man, the controversy going around uh, regarding a professional kayak angler and, and uh, the amount of bend that was on a board when measuring the fish. Um, not going to offer my opinion on that. It's you know that guy's been drugged through the the mud enough. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna add to that. But uh, new changes and uh, catch is catch products Inc. So they're they're clearly the winner there, and that's that's great. They make a great par- uh, great product. So. You know, if you're going to participate in the Hobie Bass Open Series, you cannot use a hog trough. You have to use now a catch aluminum board. That's that's okay in my book. Um, I'm going to make it try to you know try to make it fair for everybody. But so this weekend, if you're around the Cincinnati area, it is the Cincinnati Travel Sport and Boat Show. Now, when you are nope, nope, it's not. It's the Cincinnati Fishing Expo. I got that one mixed up. So it's a Cincinnati Fishing Expo. It starts uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm recording this today on Friday. So if you're around uh, the Cincinnati area, by the time you listen to this, it will be Sunday. Um, The show will go from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday. So check that out. But I feel like this topic we're going to talk about today is important. And I may try to drop it early if you guys do hear it early then you'll uh, you'll have access to maybe one additional show in the area so um 
I've been doing this kayak thing for a long time, man. I've been talking to a lot of people about it today, starting today, because I'm recording this on Friday and I have the show starts at noon today. And that's when I have to give this seminar. Now, this is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my kayak fishing career. You're like, okay, it's a seminar, man. How bad is it? It's not like you're trying to stay dry in the, in the Dimbo pool. Smart asses. I got you on that one. Um, no, honestly, man, I got to figure out, I have to get through to people and I have to save their life in under 30 minutes. Holy crap. So I have to get through to them about winter kayak fishing and how not to die. Right. And we all know some of the advantages of winter kayak fishing. Uh, one, you're not sitting on your butt all winter long. Um, and honest to God, I mean, th there's only a few advantages of doing it, but the main thing is just getting out. It's getting off your butts. It's getting out from in front of the TV. It's getting out of some winter honeydew list and getting out and fishing, man, all year round. And it could be done fairly easily, but you got to have the right gear, right? So one of those advantages is now you have an all year long fishing season. Well, hell, who doesn't like that? Now, if you're in the South, that's not a big deal. You have all year fishing season every year, right? But if you're in the North, especially like the Midwest, and I'm going to call it the Mid-North, right? Because I'm in Cincinnati. We're in the Midwest, uh, the bottom of the Midwest. So this year, I don't think our water is iced over one single time. Uh, if it has, I haven't seen it. But water temps are definitely cold. If you're in the north, north, like Minnesota, you're probably already frozen over by now. But your fishing season's all year long. Um, means you get to get out and you get more opportunity to catch fish. The Probably the best thing, in my opinion, about winter fishing or fishing out of season, right? Season, I'm saying spring to fall, that fishing season for, for everybody. Uh, unpressured fishing. The water is vacant. There's nobody out. All the big boaters, like motor boaters and stuff, they winterize their boats, they put them up. There's not a lot of winter kayak fishermen out there. Kayak anglers, I'm going to be politically correct. Uh, so you get the water all to yourself. Now, I got the slideshow in front of me, and I'm staring at local angler Kurt Smith's, right? A little fun fact about me, man. I love to catch catfish. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm looking at this picture, the Ohio River. He's off the Ohio River. I'm not going to tell you where. Uh, the river is flooded. I know it's flooded because I know these trees I'm staring at are generally out of the water. Now they're about three, there's water about three, four feet up the trunk. Snow on the ground and not a little bit, probably four inches of snow. And he's holding like a 50 pound blue cat. I love catfishing and I have never in my life have caught a catfish that size out of my water. And he caught this on bass gear, right? Monster catfish. It looks amazing. So you have a chance of, of catching bigger fish. Now, you're not going to catch a lot of quantity of fish. But at the right times, even in cold water, you can get some big fish. And on top of that, think about it, man. How many times a year do you guys rely on your finesse game? 
Finesse fishing. You always hear about it. Finesse, finesse, finesse. You got to finesse them. Got to finesse them certain times of the year. I suck at finesse fishing. I'll be the first one to admit that. But in the wintertime, I get a chance to work on that. Do I catch a lot of fish in the winter? Nope. I don't. Because I'm probably the world's worst finesse fisherman. I don't have patience for it. But you definitely get to work on your finesse game. Because sometimes it's going to take a lot to get those fish to bite. But when they do, it's fun. Especially if you're catching hybrid striper or blue cats. Blue cats will still roam in the, in the wintertime in cold water. Hybrid striper, same thing. Uh, gar. You know, some of these things that people call trash fish that are actually a blast to catch, like big gar, they are a lot of fun. Um, a fish is a fish is a fish, man. It's not a tournament fish, but it's still a fun catch, right? So if you're going to get out, which I highly, highly, highly recommend that you do and not sit around all weekend, uh, you're going to need the proper gear, right? First and foremost, and I'm just going to put this out there. If you call me an ass because of it, then I'm an ass, and I'll proudly wear that badge. But if you're buying fishing gear over a quality life vest, and you're a boater, recreational powder, or kayak angler, you got your priorities mixed up, okay? You need to adjust your priorities. So buy a quality life vest. You guys are out there spending 100 bucks, 200 bucks, $400 sometimes, on fishing rods, but you got a crap vest or none at all or worse. And I'm going to throw it out there because I, this part, I don't care about. I don't care about anybody's opinion on these, those stupid inflatable vest. They are garbage. Ask me how many times I've spoke to people who've used those inflatable vests in cold temperatures, fell into the water and they either did not deploy or only one side deployed. It happens more than you would think. They're garbage. They are garbage. I love NRS gear. I know NRS plans on coming out with an inflatable vest. They're going to have to change my mind hardcore on that, or I will label that vest garbage as well. I have no problem with that. Life vest. Wear them. We're going to talk about that in depth a little bit more here. Uh, dry suits. Okay. Or a wetsuit. Now, a wetsuit's going to give you that wet warmth. Provides a, a barrier between you and the wind. When you get the wetsuit wet, your body temperature warms that up and it creates an insulating layer. Keeps you warm. I don't like wetsuits. I don't think they're as flexible as a dry suit. Meaning, if you fall out, I feel like they're going to be a harder time getting back in. It's my opinion, and that could be wrong just as much as it could be right. Okay. But if a wetsuit's all you got, rock it out. If you can get back in your kayak wearing one and you're not, and your flexibility isn't reduced, you're able to hike your leg over the boat or do whatever you got to do, rock it, right? Dry suits, obviously, <clears throat> it's not going to keep you, uh, you're still going to feel the wind, right? Because they're extremely breathable, but it's going to keep you dry. It's not going to get you wet, depending on the wetsuit, or I'm sorry, depending on the dry suit that you're going to wear. Uh, you definitely want to wear insulating layers in a dry suit. There's no insulation in those. Insulating layers are important. Your insulating layers get rid of cotton, right? You can go to Walmart or like any other sporting goods place. Like if Walmart's really a sporting goods place, I guess it's not. But you can go to Walmart and you can buy synthetic blends of material, insulating layers, and, and wear those. It works just fine. Wool socks, 
insulating layers like uh, polyester, spandex, something along the lines of that. Uh, double up if need be. Buy them baggy. Again, you know, we're not trying to impress anybody. We, we don't need you to put on your brother's, your little brother's insulating layers to, you know, show us how ripped you are and that kind of crap. Buy them baggy. You need to be able to move around. Okay. No cotton. No cotton. No cotton. For the love of God, no cotton. Footwear. Everybody likes to wear Crocs. I kind of—I've never been a Croc dude, man. I've never been able to rock the Crocs. Um, I like to have supportive footwear when I'm out and about, even when I'm in the water uh, in the summertime, and I'm wearing like river, what I call river shoes. I wear a pair of Columbia shoes. Um, I don't like loose fitting shoes ever, man. I don't like to feel like I'm going to roll my ankle on anything. So wear proper footwear. If you know, if Crocs are your thing, then Crocs are your thing. Um, but I like to wear the NRS boundary boots. Uh, actually, you know, I'm just going to give you a little caveat real quick. I rock NRS from literally head to toe. I'm not sponsored by NRS. I'm not on their pro staff. I'm not on their ambassador program. I'm nothing to NRS. I'm nothing. I'm not even on their radar. But I trust my life with them. And when I say I wear NRS stuff from head to toe, I literally wear it from head to toe. Uh, yeah, from head to toe, literally head too, because I wear their hats all the time. So, I'm covered in an NRS. They have earned my trust to save my life. Okay? So they make some good footwear. The NRS Boundary Boots, the new 2020 editions, are money. They're really, really nice. And I got, I got a pair of those, and I have another pair of NRS boots that I wear. And I like them both. They're comfortable, and they keep my footwear. Footwear. Foot warm. Uh, gloves. You'll hear a lot of different things about gloves, man. Some people rock the mittens, that uh, fingerless stuff. They like to pop the top off and have access to their fingers. There's the glacier gloves, which are like neoprene gloves, et cetera, et cetera. Just find a good pair. Rock those. Uh, most importantly, a dry bag because you're going to bring some emergency gear, dry clothes, obviously, for uh, obvious reasons. And then one thing that I have grown to hate, and you're going to hear people talk about it. It's the 120 principle. Okay. Now, generally, when you hear people talk about it, they get it wrong. What do you mean, man? What do you mean, Ricketts? What do you mean they get it wrong? I'll tell you. They say, oh, it's, it's, it's water tent plus air tent, man. As long as it's over 120 degrees, we're good to go. Uh, you got to factor wind chill on that, bro. So if the wind's ripping at 10 or 20 miles an hour, you have a 10 or 20 mile an hour wind chill, your 120 principle goes out the damn window. Not only that, I challenge you this. Somebody get out on a 70-degree day and jump in 40-degree water. If you gasp, you lose. All right? The 120 principle, in my opinion, is garbage. Don't follow it. It'll get your ass in trouble. I don't think it should be a thing. But that's my opinion. You know, 60-degree water on a 60-degree day, okay, that's 120. But even if you jump in at 60-degree water, that is still chilly. You're still going to have a gas reflex <gasps> that, you know, it's like getting hit in the head with a sh when you're turning the shower on and somebody doesn't push down the plunger and the damn water smacks you in the head, you gasp, right? I hate that. That happens to me. I have two kids that can never figure out how to push that damn thing down after they're done. Hate that 120 rule, my opinion, is garbage. All right, so let's touch on the emergency gear. 
in case something bad happens, right? A dry bag, a quality dry bag. I'm not talking about those little thin fabric gecko water resistant bags. Get a quality dry bag. Quality. Extra dry clothes. We already talked about the insulating layers, which you should bring in my dry bag right now. I'm looking at it. Fleece pants, wool socks, a synthetic blend, uh, like the uh, you, you see the runners, the, the runner pants, the tight like spandexy pants. A synthetic blend shirt, a fleece jacket, a wool hat, and that's what I rock. Got fire starter gear in there. Okay. One of the easiest things to, to, to do is, is get your fire prepared. Um, you don't want, for some people it may be easy. Some people may not, man. Okay. We got a lot, got a lot of bushcrafters and then want to be bushcrackers, bushcrafters like, man, I'm going to bring this knife and this flint and, and, and I'm going to do the flint and steel and I'm going to, you know, no, 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 no. And I'm going to explain why this may not work. When you're, when you're rocking your fire starting gear and your fuel, you need something that you can light quick. It's got to be quick. Now, I've played around a little bit of the bushcraft. I'm not a bushcrafter by any means, but I have found this out, and it works really well. If you're married, you probably have a ton of this stuff around. Vaseline, right? So, <laughs> you know why. Any married man out there knows why he needs some Vaseline. So you take that and then you go into your wife's nail polish box and you grab a handful of the cotton balls out of there that she uses to put the nail polish remover and gets, uh, gets that stuff off, right? Or if you're a female listening to this, you may already have this. All right, so take that Vaseline and coat those cotton balls. They light up super fast, super fast, and they burn decently long. The next thing I use is I, I have a, a few different barbecue smokers. It's something that, uh, you know, I've kind of gotten into a few years back. But uh, Weber makes these little lighter cubes. They're a wax-based cube. Therefore, they're water-resistant, and they light up. I love those things, too. Great source of fuel. They light up, and they burn long. Uh, so those are two quick lighting sources. Now, for, I always use waterproof matches or storm-proof matches. That's what I like. Um, my thinking is if, you, if you're too cold and your hands start working, you may not be able to use your thumb to light a lighter, but you can tuck a match in between your fingers and rake your hand across that starter, and that, that's something, right? So I like matches. Uh, another, you know, like quick, quick, light, quick light fuel, va or, uh, I already said Vaseline, haha. Uh, fatwood, a lot of people like, hey, man, I'm going to buy this fatwood, and it works great, man. Just, just pre-shave it. If you're going to use a fatwood, pre-shave it. And then put it in your bag. Don't put the whole block in your bag. And then depending on, depend on you have working hands to shave that down and light it up. Okay. Just quick, quick uh, tip there. Mylar blanket, right? The, the space blankets and a whistle, 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 AKA the rape whistle, right? Everybody knows that if you're in a public park, you're like, you're like, I live close to East Fork Lake. Uh, you start blowing that whistle and there's a game warden around. ODNR is around. They're trained to listen for that, and they know whistle means help. Okay? Always bring a whistle. Um, so that's just a little bit of, a, of an idea of what to bring. Um, I always keep my whistle in my vest. I keep my starter, my, my fire starting stuff and fuel in my vest, my Marlar blanket in my vest, and I have a way to communicate in my vest. 
Uh, I do that in case I get separated from my dry bag. All right. Take a drink of this good coffee. Hang on a second. Oh, man, this is coffee so good. Brian Chiller be proud. All right. So what happens if you fall in? Now, here's where it gets crazy. What happens if you fall in? Most kayakers will tell you it's not a matter of if you're going to fall in. It's when you're going to fall in. Okay. I used to ride sport bikes. They say the same thing in a sport bike world. It's not a matter of if you're going to go down. It's when you're going to go down. It's going to happen. The first thing when you hit that damn water is called cold shock response. Okay. That gasp. <gasps> it shocks you. You are most likely going to die from cold shock re response than from hypothermia itself. If you have heart conditions, this is what you really need to be, be scared of. Because that initial shock, right? Because it's immediate. It's immediately. That initial shock can be enough to burst your heart, to send you into cardiac arrest. You don't believe me? I put out a Facebook post yesterday, Thursday evening, about this seminar. I had a guy reply that said he had to pull a man who fell in 20 yards from the boat ramp. And I invite you, if you don't, have, if you don't know me on Facebook, look me up, find that post. And I invite you to read through that response. To cut it short, the guy's heart had burst in his chest from the shock of him hitting that cold water. And the boat wasn't going fast. It was stationary. The second thing, if you make it, if, if you don't have a heart condition and, and you just get the cold, cold water uh, shock, that response, that gasp response, drowning. This is your greatest chance to drown initially, right off the bat. Because you fall under the water the cold shocks your system and you gasp. And what do you think happens when you gasp for air underwater? You suck in all that water. I want to remind you guys, it only takes a few inches of water to drown. Think about how much water you take in. If you're underwater and you gasp a whole breath, that's not good. It is not good. Okay. This is why you want to wear the dry gear. Or the wetsuit. It cuts down that response. Another thing that's going to happen when you hit that water is panic and disorientation. You're going to freak out. Get on YouTube. And, and look up cold water kayak fishing. Okay, you'll, you'll run across a video. This dude, no vest on, sweatshirt, in cold water, falls in, freaks out. Starts hyperventilating and having a panic attack. You will become disoriented. Now, here's the scary part, okay? Let's say that you don't have a dry suit on, but you do. You're smart enough to wear a life vest. And not only smart enough to wear that freaking life vest, you're smart enough to wear it right. If you don't know what I mean by wearing it right, I'm talking about wearing it tight-fitting to your body and not these saggy-ass hang-off-your-body life vest that you see some people wear, including, quote-unquote, professionals 
Okay. Cold incapacitation. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. That in frigid water temps, you have right around 10 minutes of meaningful muscle movement. 10 minutes. When you pass that 10 minute mark, your muscles are going to stop working. If you do not have a life vest on and it's not wore appropriately and you are unable to be rescued or get back into the boat, you will die. You will sink. You will not be able to keep your head above water. You will freaking die. How do you feel about those two and $400 fishing rods now? And I'm throwing this to people who own those fishing rods or all that fishing gear, but don't own a life vest. This is directly towards you. If you have a problem with it, shoot me a PM. I don't care. If this saves your freaking life, I do not care of the response. 10 minutes, folks. Look at your wife. Look at your best friend. Look at your kids. And ask them if you're... Life is worth a hundred bucks because you can get a quality life vest for a hundred bucks. Look at them. Tell them, is my life worth a hundred bucks? I guarantee goddamn tea they're gonna say yes. Ten minutes, you're dead. Hypothermia can set in about 30 minutes or longer. When you get hypothermic, you become unconscious. And you die. Now, cold incapacitation in 10 minutes, that's only if you just have a life vest on. Oh, excuse me. That's only if you do not have a life jacket on. Let me rephrase that. I said that wrong. So if you fall in, you don't have a life vest on, you're going to be able to tread water for 10 minutes. After that, your body's going to stop working and you're going to sink. If you have a life vest on, you're going to extend your survivability time. Because if your legs stop working, your arms stop working, that vest is going to keep you floating. It's going to keep your head above water. Think about it. If you do not have a life vest on, you do not have cold gear on, you don't have anything to protect you from the element, and you fall in the water, you're done in 10 minutes. Maybe 12. Buy the life jacket. Buy the freaking life jacket and wear it appropriately. There's another principle. And this is going to, this kind of bounces off what I just said. It's called the 1101 principle. You have one minute to get your breathing under control when you fall in. Panic mode, <gasps> all that crazy. I don't know what the hell is going on. It's cold. I'm freaking out that you have one minute to get your breathing under control. You have 10 minutes of meaningful movement. I just touched on that 10 minutes, folks. You have one hour before you become unconscious due to hypothermia. And I'm going to put an asterisk on that because depending on how damn cold that water is, it could be under an hour. It could be under an hour. That's scary. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Coast Guard Office, and Boating Safety. In 2018, the Coast, the Coast Guard counted 4,145 accidents that involved 630.
three deaths and 2,511 injuries. Where the cause of death was known, 77% of fatal boating accidents, uh, 77% of fatal boating accident victims drowned. 77 freaking percent drowned. Of those drowning victims, with reported life jacket usage, okay, 84% were not wearing a life jacket. So 77% of fatal boat act- boating accidents drowned. The people involved in those drowned. Out of 77% of those who drowned, 84% of them were not wearing a life jacket. Where data was known, the most common vessel types Involved in these accidents, 46% motorboats, 19% personal watercraft, 15% cabin motorboats, 19% we're going to, that's, you know, like your kayaks and stuff like that, personal watercraft, subs, kayaks, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Where data was also known, the vessel types with the highest percentage of deaths, of deaths were open motorboats. At 50%, kayaks at 13.5%, canoes at 7%. Okay. Now we're going to lump kayaks and canoes in the same category. We're going to call that 20.5%. That's a lot, guys. That's a lot. And especially if you're a freaking motorboat guy, because I'll tell you what, right now, you guys, I see you. And I'm talking about you big-name kayak anglers who also have these big motorboats. You wear your vest on your kayak and you think you're cool. Right? But then you get on your big motorboat and you don't wear your vest. But yet the same damn thing can happen, but you don't wear it on a motorboat because you, you know, I guess, because it's bigger, you feel more comfortable. So I, I am directly calling you guys out on that. If you're going to support wearing a life vest on a kayak, you better damn well support it wearing on a boat. Now... Not to be judgmental, because I've myself have worn my vest on a kayak and not on a motorboat. So I am specifically calling myself out on this too. I have two kids. I have a wife. I owe it to them to wear the freaking life vest on that boat too. So I'm I'm directly calling myself out on this. Water temperature related deaths. And water temps is 39 degrees and below. Let this sink in. 39 degrees and below. Out of 24 accidents, 17 were fatal. That's a fatality rate of 70.83%. Out of 24 people who had an accident in, free, in freezing water, 17 of them died. Roll that dice, folks. And water temp from 40 to 49 degrees. Out of 108 accidents, 39 were fatal. And gets right around 30, 36% fatality rate. And water temp from 50 to 59 degrees. Out of 308 accidents, 78 were fatal. It's about 25%. And 60 to 69 degrees. 
Out of 579 accidents, 97 were fatal. That's 16% fatality rate. The story I told you about the dude falling in the water, the temp was between 60 and 65 degrees, if I read that right, if I remember off my hand, off the top of my head. Now, 70, 79 degrees uh, out, of 100, out of 1,278 accidents, 147 were fatal. That's about 11%. In water temp, 50 or below, you have a 42.42% chance of dying. In water temps, 50 degrees or below, you have a 42.42% chance of dying without the proper gear. Here's some tips. If you're on your kayak and you have the gear and stuff, here's some tips for you. Okay. Don't stow away your emergency bag. What do you mean? Don't stow it away. Don't tuck it under your seat. Don't put it in your hatches. Put it somewhere, put it in your tank well, put it between your legs, put it somewhere where you can easily access it. Or if you fall out, it falls out with you because if you fall out of your kayak and you're panicking, there's a really good chance your kayak's going to push away from you. And then you're going to lose your dry bag. Okay. If you don't have dry gear on and, and you know, you don't carry your lighting equipment like your your fuel and your lighter and your mylar blanket and a way to call somebody in your vest. You're screwed. If your kayak gets away from you and your bag's tucked in it. Okay, check this out. Same same story. I know I keep going back to the story, but guys, come on. The guy that fell out in the boat, one guy couldn't get his life vest. Because there was because there was a few guys that fell out, but the one, you know, one guy couldn't get his life vest because he had it tied up in a black garbage bag. He couldn't undo the garbage bag to get his life vest out. That's crazy. That's crazy. Don't stow away your emergency bag. Carry your waterproof matches or lighter and your fuel, fuel, your fat wood, your Vaseline soaked cotton balls or whatever you guys want to bring stored in your vest. Keep it with you. Keep, keep, put some hot hands in your vest. We all use those when it's cold out, right? You get to shore, you're freezing. You open those up, you activate them, you stick them in your armpits. The biggest thing I can tell you is don't go out alone. Don't go out alone. Bring a buddy. And by bringing a buddy, man, you know, you guys don't have to fish two or 300 yards apart. Stay close. Stay within shouting different distance. Okay? Don't go alone. Bring a buddy. It's always fun when you bring your dude along with you, man. Always keep your phone or emergency radio in your vest. Keep it. There's all kinds of, of tethers now that you can use. And most, of, most people's phones now, man, they're waterproof up to like four meters. So if you fall in, you're not going down. Hopefully, you're not going down four meters right off the bat because you have your freaking life vest on, right? You have it tethered. So while you're in the water, you're away from your kayak, you can make that emergency call and let them know where you're at ASA freaking P. And guys, know your limits. Don't, I'm going to take a drink cup, drink coffee. Hang on a second. You guys know your mother loving limits. Don't be a brand new kayaker with no vest on or be in a cheap, wobbly-ass kayak or stand up and do stupid shit when the water temps are really, really cold. Know your freaking limits. Don't put yourself 
in that situation. And most importantly, don't put other people in that situation. What do you mean by other people? Let's say you do take a buddy out and you're being a dumbass. Okay. Now your buddy's got to, and you fall in, your buddy's got to figure out a way to rescue you. If he can't rescue you, now he's going to watch you die. Know your limits. Wear the proper gear. You will be fine. You will be fine. Okay? Folks, wintertime is one of my favorite times to get out. It really is. But you got to be smart about it. And it sucks buying this gear. Right? It's expensive. It sucks. I get it. It's a lot of money. And it's a huge investment when you're doing it right off the bat. But you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family, you owe it to your kids, your wife, your mother, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your best friends. You owe it to them to protect yourself. There's some people who don't take it serious. There's a lot of people who don't take it serious. There's a guy in my area I just saw yesterday. A lot of people know who he is. Cool, man. He caught a nice fish. That's great. He had a stupid inflatable vest on and a pair of rain bibs and a sweatshirt and then a jacket over top of that sweatshirt and the water temps, I don't know, 40 degrees. Come on, guys. In closing, you have a chance to catch some really good fish, though, if you guys protect yourself and you get out there. Again, I'm looking at this monster hybrid striper that Smith's caught looks to be about 29 inches fat 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 fish dude excellent opportunity to go out there and catch some fish but you got to be smart if it's one thing if it's one thing i can get through to you today is to buy one less fishing rod and buy a quality life vest buy a quality life vest buy a quality life vest they call it a life vest for a reason it's going to save your freaking life folks that's all i have for today it's been a pleasure i'm gonna get this one dropped early i think this is too good to uh to let go Y'all, thank you so much. I'm going to be dropping intro to kayak fishing seminars coming up soon. I'll holler at you later. Go check out the website, guys, paddle, the letter N and fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to 
Follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at Paddle and Finn. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Finn logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. 